if the Emergencies Act powers were granted in the most limited way, the tow truck drivers were forced, go get rid of the big rigs, line them up, tow, maybe I'm okay with that. But when you start freezing the ordinary bank accounts, the non-money laundering, tax evading, I mean, this is a country where 27 million people out of about 30 something pay taxes. Mm -hmm. Most evade taxes. Uh, the money laundering in this country is insane. Check the housing markets if you don't believe me, if you're in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. But when you have ordinary people giving 25 bucks or 50 bucks to a cause that they believe in to protest mandates and lockdowns, which look at where the science has us now, just look at where the science in quotation marks, science trademark has us now. That to me is where the Emergencies Act became disgusting. It wasn't limited in its scope. It was an excuse for Freeland to go do what she wanted to do in her plutocratic way, which, by the way, is a betrayal of who she was 11 or 12 years ago. As a journalist, that too. As she wrote her book. So yeah, for me, yeah. mm -hmm. full disclosure, I have trouble believing something was a terrible crisis emergency in a civilized Western country because a downtown part of Ottawa was messed up. And, and look, I sympathize with the people who had to hear the horns. I do. But when you have on the weekend or week of the emergency being invoked in Ontario, let's not just call it Canada, in Ottawa, Ontario, but the premier of the province is snowmobiling. Mm. He's out snowmobiling. I'm not knocking him. More power to him. I wish I had a snowmobile. But when you have the premier of the province in the middle of this dire federal provincial emergency snowmobiling, you can make all the intellectual, ideological, esoterical arguments that you want to me. I have real skepticism that this needed to be invoked. And who backs me up on this? A lot of the OPP members who have testified so far. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, Ari, what, what do you what do you think of the conduct of the inquiry so far? What do you think of uh, Justice Rouleau's handling of this? Uh, you, do you think he's coming across as uh, fair-minded and impartial to you? I think it's too early to say. I mean, look, he's a justice of the Court of Appeal. He's used yeah. to being fair-minded and impartial. I do think that this has too much of a tinge of politics. Freedom Convoy, bad. Uh, residents of Ottawa, good lawyers for Ottawa residents good and fighting justice and sort of Superman versus Freedom Convoy people and lawyers bad and Lex Luthor like, that's not what the invocation of the Emergencies Act is about. Mm -hmm. It's not about whether you like either side. I've made this point repeatedly. I would be saying the same thing if this was a Black Lives Matter protest. I'm not a fan of that violence. Sorry, let me let me use the Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with an addendum. The mostly peaceful protests mm -hmm. that you always have to say. I don't care if it was some far left Antifa uh, protest. If it was on the streets of Ottawa in downtown, there wasn't violence. Uh, there was freedom of expression, freedom of assembly. These charter rights that used to matter 
or in today's day and age, the freedom to not be offended. That seems to be now like in the Bill of Rights or the Charter is that I can't say anything that offends you. Well, if I can't say anything that offends you, there is no free speech. There is no freedom of expression. So back to your Justice Rouleau question, I think it's too soon to know. I think he's going to do his best to do his best. But no judge descends from the mountaintops, Rupa. They're not immune to the politics, the partisanship, the pressure of the day, the, the idea that one side is light, the other side is dark. I always use a very cliche term, the other shoe test. If you don't think that X should happen because you don't like X, substitute them with Y. If it was a protest, if Trump was the prime minister of Canada and he flew in in his West Palm Beach 757 right into Sussex Drive and landed improperly without permits and 50,000 people with special pink hats did the very same thing with Priuses and Subarus and blocked up those streets in Ottawa and did all the noise and dances and megaphones and all of that. Would the very same people say that Canada for the first time in its history should have invoked the Emergencies Act because the OPP, the RCMP, the politicians provincially, federally and municipally were so feckless to these people with their bouncy castles or these weird charges, the Tamara Leach charges and Mm -hmm. all of these things that Justice Goodman, Justice Goodman, go back to our last conversation for anybody who thinks this is just my view, talking about some of these charges and Mm -hmm. how politically motivated they are. If you don't think it should be good for the goose, you have no business thinking it's good for the gander. That being said, As you and I speak, this is not over. There's a long way to go. I'm worried that the report will be bureaucratic speak. I'm worried that the conclusion of the report will be so judicial, so deferential to government, so deferential to the choices they had at the time being, we don't look at things in hindsight. I have a feeling that will be part of the decision, which will render the whole point of the inquiry moot. We absolutely must look at things in hindsight, and I think there will be a tremendous amount of deference from Justice Rouleau to the liberal powers of the day, the Prime Minister Freeland and her Deputy Prime Minister Trudeau. I think there will be a tremendous amount of... No, no, I did that on purpose. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That wasn't a misspeak. I did that on purpose. Yeah. I think that there will be a tremendous amount of deference. There yeah. often is yeah. in these kinds of cases, Rupa. It wouldn't be you know, new. If the facts lead us to Justice Rouleau, let me add a moment of levity. I'm a WWF, WWE fan. Stone Cold Steve Austin used to say, open a can of whoop ass. <laughs> if Justice Rouleau heard enough to say, look, this is so serious, so much of an infringement and affront to the rights of ordinary average Canadians, the way these people have been smeared, the bank accounts, the lack of due process, the ex parte this, the ex parte that, means without notice. If Justice Rouleau thought that, I'd be very shocked to see him write that. And I think that's going back to what I said at the beginning of Jugmeet Singh going, well, I'll have to see what the report says. Even if maybe the act shouldn't have been done or maybe we had other options, 
I just have to see how it's written before I decide to part ways with Mr. Trudeau. Well, he he actually said that even if the report concludes his that, words, yeah. his words were a little bit nuanced. I have to read it first. Okay. He's a former criminal defense lawyer, Jagmeet Singh. People yeah. forget that. Mm. I used to see him at court. Okay. Now he's gone on to bigger and better and greener pastures, muzzle tov to him. But that's because I'm worried about getting a 700 page report here that basically just, even if he says there were other options or whatever, I have a feeling it will be so deferential that both sides will be able to claim victory. And to me, that will render the whole point, the expense. This is a very expensive process. I mean, everybody's in hotels, everybody's there, everybody's there in person, lawyers this. Remember, they didn't want to pay for the convoy lawyers, which was horse manure. They had to go to court to get those monies opened up. That tells you something about this. That's an interesting point for another day, which is that you were going to have all the money in the world for the government lawyers, but the convoy people had to beg to have some of their money made available to them to defend themselves. Think that. Well, I didn't know this. So can you. Can a, you yeah, sure. So this yeah. was a big, big yeah. story. It didn't mm-hmm. get talked about enough, mm-hmm. which is it's sort of like, and you know, I don't want to be too long here. I don't know how much time we have left, but, you know, if the state charges Rupa or one of Rupa's viewers today with a crime. Let's say you get charged with a crime. Let's make it an easy crime, he said, she said. Somebody Mm -hmm. says Rupa did X. Mm -hmm. You get charged criminally. Well, Rupa, you make a little bit too much money. That has nothing to do with what you make. You have to be way, 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 way below the poverty line to get a lawyer paid for for you. The government will have endless resources to prosecute you, endless. Endless prosecutors, endless police, endless time in court, all on the salary fully paid. You will have to pay me, and I assure you I'm pretty expensive, to get you out of this. Now, why do I make that link? You may be completely innocent and you would like to defend yourself. And in a liberal, democratic world, it's supposed to be a fair fight. Well, the only way it can be a fair fight is if you basically bankrupt yourself to fight back. Look at Danny Fortin. Anybody who doesn't know what I'm talking about, look at the machinery of the state against Danny Fortin, the army person charged with sex assault. He's been bankrupted by his legal fees. It was a charge from 34 years ago. He's led an exemplary life since. His cross-examination is showing there's real problems, but he's bankrupted from it. He can't get hired, can't get a job. What's the point I make? At the Freedom Convoy or Emergencies Act inquiry, the government was going to have reams of lawyers, all the money in the world, by the way, Rupa, paid for Mm -hmm. by you and me. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. The convoy people who have obviously skin in the game and a huge stake in this, they were told they can't access the money they've raised. It was frozen via court injunction. Remember hundreds of thousands of dollars raised? Yeah. It was frozen. That that side didn't want them to have money to be able to pay their lawyers to fight back. Mm. Think that through. Ordinary average Canadians sent money Mm. to the Freedom Convoy people so that they would be able to afford legal representation. So they weren't sitting there firing questions off because self-represented people or people who aren't lawyers, they're not going to do well at this. I know people watch too much TV and see the moron wanting to defend themselves. It never goes well. And so they had to go to court and seek an injunction to get their own money back 
to level the playing field, to have legal representation, to do justice to their cause. And the point throughout our discussion this week is if you look at the cross-examination done by people adverse in interest, adverse in interest to the government's use of the Emergencies Act, you couldn't have done that without legal representation. The idea that they had to fight to access their own money, their own money raised yeah. by their own donors mm-hmm. was a story that got very little attention. It came and went, but it bothered me very, very significantly as a citizen and as mm-hmm. a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this has been bothering me for a while, Ari. Um, what do you think of uh, officials, uh, politicians, and even, even uh, Chief Bell, uh, yesterday or the day before, uh, when when these pe- these people characterize the protests as occupation and the protesters are as occupiers, uh, shouldn't they be sticking to technical legal language or le- neutral language when it comes to something as um, as big as this? Uh, you know, which is which is you know ended up being very very polarizing. Uh, what do you what do you make of the fact that you know Chief Bell refers to the protests as occup- protests as occupation and the protesters as occupiers? It all it almost seems like he's he he already has his mind made up um, and you know he he has an angle here. Well, he does he does have an angle here. He's made his own bias well yeah. known that he thinks mm-hmm. he needed the act and you know he mm-hmm. couldn't have done it without it. But I'm going to answer your question, Rupa. You know, when you have me on, you may get answers that you may not like and that your that your audience may not like. And you're well aware I don't care. I actually don't have a problem uh, with that term. I think he uses it because nobody's going to push back and he can because Freedom Convoy bad. Uh, citizens of Ottawa police good. Trudeau government good. Freedom Convoy leech. Uh, conservative people, bad, white supremacist, misogynist, racist, Mm -hmm. to quote our prime minister. So Steve Bell knows he has cover for that. The media is not going to push back on that term. So he can use it with impunity. Imagine if it was a Black Lives Matter protest, same cause, same same way of doing it. Again, uh, maybe not in big rig trucks, but same way, park downtown, not going anywhere. Do you think he'd call Black Lives Matter protesters occupiers? No chance. Do you think mm-hmm. if it was an indigenous protest about residential schools or or money or this, do you think he'd call them that term? Not a chance on the planet. But yeah. here's why my answer may run afoul with the audience. And again, I don't care. They did occupy downtown Ottawa. It's a plain and ordinary word. They were told to leave. They didn't. There were injunctions to leave. They didn't. They made it clear that they're staying, whether they should or shouldn't. That's probably a longer discussion for today. If they shouldn't have been in downtown Ottawa, by the way, where should they be? Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, Rainy River. If you want to protest the federal government and the federal government destroying the country with mandates and uh, nonsense about the vaccines. Again, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm vaccinated. Full disclosure, so nobody gets it. But if you didn't have the view that people should be fired or lose their jobs because they don't want to take a jab that didn't prevent transmission or infection, where should that protest happen in a free and democratic society? Again, if it shouldn't have been in downtown Ottawa, by the way, the protest was effective. We keep forgetting in all of this noise that the protest was effective. 
So many of these lockdowns, mandates, and rules changed at the time of the convoy or right after. They won't admit it. And I see you nodding. So I think this point brings some recollection back to you back to earlier this year. But nobody talks about that. This wasn't an ineffectual protest. They didn't burn down police stations. They didn't burn down Wendy's. They didn't shoot people. They didn't fight people. Everybody forgets that this was an actually peaceful protest. Yes, you can mail me and say, oh, there were a number of charges and weapons charges and mischief. I don't care. I think that's an ideologically pedantic Mm -hmm. argument. But the point is, to your question, when he calls them occupiers, and again, he is a master linguist for all of the reasons we've discussed. I'm not going to use the other term. (laughs) It is completely fine with me that he calls a spade a spade. My point to you is, it's fine that he called them that. They weren't going anywhere. They were occupying downtown, just like Occupy Wall Street, Occupy this. But there's no chance he would have used that term if it was a group on the left or far left. Now, he'd never agree with me if he was here. But I must say, Rupa, in full answer to your question, trying to be straight with every discussion I have, the use of that word does not bother me. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Ari. I mean, occupying the streets of Ottawa, I have no problem with that uh, with that sentence. But I think what's happening here is that they're using this term in a denigrating way, in a way that almost represents these people as outsiders, like an invading army. So let me stop you. That's a good point. And that that brings us to something that reflects the contempt. Yeah that we now see in Canadians. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna say this very clearly. And again, you wrap me up whenever you want, I'm, I'm, I'm good. But I think you hit something that's very important. When words like that are used, Rupa, and I feel very passionate about this, and nobody knows what I really feel about the protest, the, nobody, nobody knows. But when you use terms, I think occupant is more benign maybe than you do. Mm-hmm. I think there are other terms used by the prime minister that these people are white supremacists, that race had anything to do with it. I mean, look at the trucking industry. Anybody need an, an explainer, an update on whether the trucking industry is, is, is white anymore? I mean, just go to your Google machine and figure it out. Or if you're anti-lockdown or anti-vax or thinks your kids should be in school and not becoming terrible at math and no social skills and not able to read people's faces and visual cues and have friends and have outside time and not be glued to an iPad, you're somehow now a misogynist, a racist, a white supremacist. There is from the highest powers in this country, Rupa, there is, and they get rewarded for it, so don't get me wrong, it's a political calculation. There is a war on certain segments of the middle class. It is open, it is not hidden. There is a contempt for the ordinary average, more historically Canadian, take your kid to hockey, go to Tim Hortons, Mm. Work a couple jobs, maybe in manufacturing, maybe in your local town, maybe you're not in IT, maybe you're not working at Intel or something like that. There's a contempt in this country Mm. for the people who make this country and made this country, whether you're an immigrant and working 18 hours a day, whether you're uh, Black, whether you're Indian, there is a contempt for people who are not insane for people who are not woke. It is so easy, and you always see the term white supremacist being dragged about in a country that the census yesterday 
described as a quarter immigrant, none of them, by the way, 10% from Europe down from 65%. This is a country that is no longer white or run in that way or white supremacist. Look at the people calling it out. They're the people in the highest echelons of power. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that I want to say that is because it's easy to go after the people that were in Ottawa. They're easy targets. Nobody will fight back for them because they're worried about being called a name. Yep. And I'll make this point, which you will say is a non sequitur, but I follow news around the world. If you look at the states, if you look at Biden, if you look at the, the midterm races, there's only one race you can go after and say it's evil. If you watch MSNBC, there's only one race you can go after and say it is evil. All of the flyover people in Oklahoma, Arkansas, the Midwest, you can insult all of those people to your heart's content. Say anything about any other race, any other religion, any other minority, you're done. You're toast. Yeah. Why do I make this point? Look at what happened at the hurricane in Florida. You'll say, what does that have to do with the Emergencies Act, to your point, about Steve Bell's language? Yeah. Look at the response from Ron DeSantis to the hurricane. Causeways destroyed, homes destroyed, bridges torn out, everything destroyed. Hundreds of thousands of Floridians of all voting persuasions, their retirement, their homes, everything wiped out. Look at the response in the days after the hurricane. Did you see Priuses showing up to fix the power grid? Did you see people in Subarus showing up to fix the power grid? Did you see far left teachers from New York City showing up to fix the power grade and fix the bridges? No, it's the Americans who have long been forgotten, the, Amer the guys with beards, the women that want to have children and have them get a great education, the people that drive pickup trucks, the people that get up at six in the morning with a lunch pail, go to work, don't get home till nine, they don't make a million off their 401k, they're never going to run for office. They don't live on Twitter, Rupa. They're out trying to just be a decent person, decent breadwinners, trying to get by on two jobs shopping at Walmart. I know you may say, and I understand why people say, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? It takes me right back to the convoy, the Emergencies Act inquiry, the use of the term occupier, what Justin Trudeau called them, rather than saying they're as Canadian as you and me, even if they don't believe in this globalist, not conspiracy, this globalist agenda yeah. where every move we make always seems to have a disproportionately terrible effect on the middle class and the hardworking and the taxpaying, but somehow the Jeff Bezoses, the Mark Carneys, the Krista Freelands, and the Justin Trudeaus born with a silver shovel in his mouth, they always tend to do much better. Is that just a coincidence, Rupa? I think not. That's why I think you have to take the language that they use to describe ordinary average Canadians who are just trying to skate by. Yeah. And you compare that to the actual reality of what you can and cannot say in this country. And to me, it's greatly depressing, if not offensive. Yeah, well, what a, what uh, that, that was brilliant. I mean, I mean, I wanted to end on that, but I, I'm dying to get your uh, take. Of, this is a final question to you. Uh, you know, you touched upon uh, 
towards the end you touched upon the official narrative so to speak where where do you where do you see that today where what is the state of this official narrative uh today based on what we've heard so far from the public inquiry in terms of where i think it's going where i think it is just help me understand yeah, so I answer yeah, your question better. yeah in in terms of where it is today uh given that the official narrative uh at least in large sections of the legacy media was very very anti-protest and that they were a bunch of violent uh insurrectionists and uh and and they were basically towing the government line on on the narrative on uh on the protests uh but the you know, we, you mentioned Pat Morris. Pat Morris basically, um, you know, discredited this discredited this narrative uh, last week when he uh, gave his testimony. So I'm just wondering where this. I feel like that the official narrative is crumbling bit by bit, um, and and I suspect it's just going to get worse uh, for that narrative going forward. And I wonder if you share that view. My prediction, and yeah. up until now, is you're right again, and I'm glad we talked about Morris. For people yeah. who are watching us, hmm. and I hope people are watching us, for people who are watching us, when we're done, because you can't leave until Rupa and I are done, you really <laughs> should go find uh, Pat Morris's testimony. It's really worth watching. I know it's not exciting. I know it's not a shiny new object. But if you're really a person of deep conscience in this country, Go find the clips of him answering those questions to your question of where it's going. I think it is crumbling. I never thought it was that strong to start with Rupa. So mm -hmm. I think we're starting okay. with mm -hmm. sort of a straw man or a glass house. Okay. Uh, so I have to say, I never thought it had constitutional or foundational footing. If it did, the narrative would have been much clearer, not this, this uh, Jenga mix of building blocks and Legos that don't match and Peter can't speak to Paul and the right hand doesn't speak to the left. Yeah. Remember, we're talking about an extraordinary act. We are not talking about something that, you know, every four or five years comes to play or something that every 10 or 15 years, somebody's so annoying that we have to invoke this document. Okay. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something that was meant to be as rare as the dodo bird. And if, something as rare as the dodo bird or the proverbial yeah. unicorn descended on Ottawa, just Ottawa on that day where all sorts of police officers said, we don't need the act. We've got what we need. Yeah. There wasn't unanimous agreement, which is why Ford's testimony is desired. Did Ford think this was an emergency or was he enjoying his heated snowmobile? I'm being facetious, but I never thought that this was that strong. So I, I think it will continue on the path it is. I think you'll see more of an attempt to smear. Mm -hmm. As it gets worse for the narrative, you'll see more of an attempt to smear the protesters. To your point about media, how does the narrative get out that convoy is bad or that vaccine mandates are good or that Pfizer and Moderna are heroes unless it's on the six o'clock mainstream news or the front page of the Globe and Mail? I did a whole piece last week Again, I'm not going to get into it. People can find it if they want. I'm not going to plug it. But whatever happened to investigative journalism, where the whole idea of the press was to push back mm. against power, the whole idea of the Globe and Mail and the Toronto Star was to push back against power and the elites and the ivory tower. Now, in many ways, shapes and forms, they are the spokespeople mm. with a quid pro quo. 
to the people in power. That bothers me. I'm not knocking it. I do a lot of work in that area. I think the people are incredible. But what would happen if the people said, look, we're not going to lose ad revenue if we challenge some of this. We're not going to lose ad revenue if we're not in lockstep with everything Justin Trudeau tells us to do. We're not going to lose ad revenue. Mm -hmm. We're already hemorrhaging ad revenue. We don't need to be in lockstep or spokespeople as if it's the press gallery. So to your point about the media, that to me, we've lost that in the last 10 or 15 years with the loss of local journalism, everything moving to Twitter. I hate Twitter, full disclosure, anti-social media. I never call it social. It's the opposite of that. Twitter, as your colleague Barry Weiss says, and I know you think as highly of her as I do, is the masthead of the New York Times. If we just got rid of the insanity, which is also called wokeness, we wouldn't be in this point of view. Here's the, ans- the, the end of my answer to your question, the denouement, if you will. As bad as I think yeah. the narrative is, the fact that it's crumbling or mixed, maybe I'll say mixed, to be mm. fair. Mm. I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Trudeau turns it around. Huh. I don't think he would be as prepared, even though he was going to testify and should and all that. And I I give him credit for this. I'm not a fan of his policies. I am a fan of his hair. I continue to be jealous of it. But the point of it is, I think he, if anybody can do it, I think people have such low expectations of his testimony that if anybody can turn the narrative of the previous weeks on its side, it may be him. I may be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be happy to be wrong. But I think that's the moment where I think the people following this will have their expectations affected. I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it in the future. But that is my sense of where this is going. Well, Ari, I mean, uh, um, I hope you're wrong. And But on that very depressing note, um, you know, I, it's been a pleasure as ever having you on the show. Um, of course, we're just... Uh, starting to get a sense of what's going to happen with the inquiry. But um, I'm so glad that you agreed to uh, chat with me about the public inquiry into the Emergencies Act. And hopefully uh, you'll be back again to talk about it some more as uh, as as it unfolds, unfolds in the coming weeks. Um, and uh, thanks for being on the show again, Ari. It's been a real pleasure. And as ever, it's been phenomenal. And I'm sure our uh, viewers and listeners feel the same way. It's always great to be with you, Rupa, including a lot of viewers and listeners who I think have been long forgotten and tune into you because I think the conversations we have, Rupa, and I feel this very sincerely, I talk about it a lot. All we're doing is talking about what people talk about at their dinner table, but have been pressured and intimidated into not talking about publicly. I think that hurts democracy. I think it's illiberal. And I think it's absolutely an affront to the people that have built this country of all shapes and sizes, all races and religions. If you can't talk publicly the way you would at your dinner table out in the public square, there is no longer any public square. So I'm happy that whoever listens to us and follows you took the time to listen to you and I today. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure they did. And uh, I'm really grateful that you, you came onto my show and I hope to continue this conversation with you soon. Thank you, Rupa. Okay, take care, Ari. Thank you.